0: I have Lieutenant Colonel C.M. Dyer from the advanced course today to discuss what we're discussing today.
1: Today we're going to discuss consensus building. Building consensus. Yes. Well, well let's talk about where you're coming from. Tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, I'm uh, Lieutenant Colonel in the Army, as you've already indicated. I've been in the military for 28 years, uh, started enlisted. and so And I've been here at the Army Management Staff College for a little over two years. And why did you decide to talk about the topic of building consensus? I've been the lesson author for this elective uh, for a little over a year, and it seems to be one that students tend to gravitate towards because part of the lessons and the way we approach those lessons tend to deal with group work and how they approach those type of uh, activities. So coming to consensus tends to drive how effective they become in terms of building those teams. Well, let's talk about that then. how building consensus is tied to leadership. The inf- how do we
0: influence others, improve organizations with building consensus?
1: Sure. Well, first we begin by first deter- deciding what is consensus. And I say deciding because there are variations out there. You'll hear people say, oh, well, we did majority rules, so we came to a consensus, which we know that's not true consensus. You know, um, consensus is really at its purest form defined as can I live with the decision? And then you begin to build out from there. The way it's tied to leadership, especially when we talk, start talking about strategic leadership, where you have various organizations or joint-type activities taking place, that's when you have to now bring all those key stakeholders into play. And you'll find some of those things in ADRP 6-22 or FM-6-22 that will expand on those type of actions that a person can take. But that's its initial tie-in. Okay, so... Consensus, from what I understand, that it's more than people being conciliatory,
0: or just agreeing for the sake of moving on or avoiding conflict. Yeah. So it's coming to an agreement on unanimous agreement on decisions that you can live with.
1: Sure, it's it's exactly that. You're going into a place now where. It's not just mere simple agreement, it's overwhelming agreement, So, and it's all in. That means now that you've come to this consensus, that means you're now committed to the decision as opposed to, well, I'll just acquiesce because everybody else seems to think it's a great idea. And meanwhile, after that conversation, you walk out of the room and say, you know what, that was not a great idea at all, I don't know why we're doing this. Well, having the consensus where you go through this process, and we'll talk more about that, you'll be able to find that every voice matters and how do you then attend to those concerns that individuals have. That's really part of consensus.
0: As a leader, what are some indicators that you might be down the path of consensus versus groupthink and ending up in Abilene?
1: Yeah, well... Some basic things that you can do is, one, as you're starting to have this conversation, because that's what it is. You're having a conversation about where you're going to go as far as reaching those common goals. So a basic, basic way to go about it is once everybody's put their input in, when you're at the end of this phase of this discussion or coming to a consensus, go and ask each individual, are you in full agreement with this? As opposed to it just being assumed that everybody has buy-in, because the silent person doesn't, silence doesn't equate to compliance. And you've probably heard that before. So that's just one basic thing. Another way to identify this whole, as you mentioned, uh, group think is as you go through the process, again, you're not waiting to the end to have some discussion of, okay, do we all agree? It should be as you go through each step, is this something that we can live with and then go to the next phase of whatever your issue at hand is.
0: What TTPs might you have for someone who's just starting out into trying to develop their
1: competency of building consensus? Sure. Well, there are uh, some uh, key steps, and we outlined these, out, and I'll just go down them. So first, convene to define the issue. So when we talk about convening to define the issue, we're starting with what is it that we're trying to accomplish? So you bring all your key stakeholders together to determine what that is. Once you've convened to define that particular issue, and clearly defined it, it can't just be a boutique issue that's a side note of what you're trying to accomplish. It needs to be the main objective. Once you've established that, now you can begin to have a dialogue about what you're going to achieve. And I want to pause there, James, and expand on that. A dialogue is different from a discussion. When we're talking about consensus, a discussion is you're already coming with a point of view and you're trying to defend that point of view. Well, if we're having a dialogue, a true dialogue, that's a free exchange of ideas that are in play. So that allows for people to be more open in this process and have a, a true conversation about where you want to go. That would be the primary. We'll start off then with some collective agreement about what the issue is
0: then. With step one, it shouldn't be presented, hey, here's the issue, let's continue. Exactly.
1: Okay, and then the second step? You know, so the second step, clarify responsibilities and establish ground rules. Who's going to take notes? You know, something as basic as that. Ground rules may include, you know, while it should be obvious, it may be let's be respectful and remind everybody why we're here. So ground rules may be not as formal as some would think in terms of listening. Okay, you're the note taker, then you're going to email all stuff. Those things are key and can be part of responsibilities, but sometimes can be just as basic and as informal, like I mentioned before, of how are we going to approach this and have this discussion? So that would be or this dialogue.
0: Okay. Any other rules that you see as being assigned in, when it comes to
1: laying the ground rules for good consensus building? When we talk about every voice matters, ensuring that even if someone has not had input or buy-in because people listen differently, people learn differently, somebody may have, need more time to process. So because they're being silent in this process, may not necessarily equate to them not being engaged, but you'll want to find out from that person at a point, what is their thought? And it's okay to ask the question directly. You know, it's not necessarily putting a person on the spot. It's ensuring that you're acknowledging that they are part of this process. Okay. Yeah. So the third step, deliberate. So you go through this deliberative process of what is it now that we've talked about? What is it that we've now come to agree? And remember I mentioned earlier about... It's a process, so it's not waiting till the end. So as you go through this deliberative process, you may take pause to say, okay, these are the things we agree with. These are the things we're still having challenges that come into an agreement with, and then start expanding on that. So this deliberation can be uh, brief. There's a misconception that consensus building is always time-consuming. There is time involved in it, but there's value in it if it fits. And we can talk about when it's a good fit and when it's a bad fit also, and this may be a time to do that a uh, good fit is obviously when the stakes are high and you require all of the stakeholders to come together and come to a co- you know this consensus a bad fit would be this phrase called fait accompli and it's most people some people know it some people aren't familiar with but fate accompli really means the decision has already been made you may have an individual that decides let's have a meeting and bring everyone in and we're going to discuss what team colors we're going to have. You know, you go. we have two choices, red or blue. And then so go, come back with a consensus and let me know where you want to be at. And then you have the team come back and say, oh, yeah, we decided that red is the color we want because it shows power, it shows courage. It really says who we are, so we've chosen red. And then the leader says, oh, that's great. Well, I ordered blue last week, but thanks for your input. That is fait accompli. And what that does, you mentioned earlier about how it ties to leadership and organizations and this whole influence. What it can do is affect the way one of the principles of Mission Command, building cohesive teams through mutual trust. When you have a scenario where you're having this false sense of buy-in, people don't trust the system anymore. So that begins to break down not only the trust factor, it, it then denigrates the way that you become together as a team or as a cohesive team.
0: Okay, so having a decision that's fate accomplished, then that would go against the first step you mentioned in convening to define the issue. So if, if it's already been defined by one person, at that point you're more pushing an agenda than.
1: That building. is absolutely correct. Uh, and that's another thing that's not part of the consensus process. You're not coming in with your own, you are obviously come in with your own thought processes, whatever it is, biases or whatever the case may be. But when you're going to convene the. the define or convene the issue, as you stated, at that point, you're coming in now trying to be open and receptive to all of the thoughts, because what you're doing is you're trying to bring the best ideas f- to resolve the issue, the conflict, the situation, or just the organizational goals and how you want to move forward.
0: Okay. So that first step, convene to define the issue. Then second step was clarify responsibilities and establish ground rules. And then third step, deliberate. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about the deliberating.
1: Yeah, so again, as you deliberate and go through this whole consensus-building process, and again, we talked about every voice matters. When you go through this deliberating, at that point, you're now trying to f- bring in or close in on what it is that you can all live with. You're not there yet, but this is where you're now starting to refine and define, okay, at this stage, team, we've decided on X. And now Y is the only thing that's outstanding. And let's talk more about that. So you're going through this deliberative process. You may even come back through because as you start talking about these things, you may find that as you talk more, X, where you thought you had come to agreement with, now you found maybe something that someone couldn't live with, and you now need to reexamine the thing that you thought you had already accomplished. It can seem like it's a complicated process, but really, again, it goes back to the thing of having a free-flowing dialogue about where is you going. At a point in time, you have to determine, though— And by say you, I mean as a team, determine when have you deliberated enough. And and there's going to be key factors in it. When you've come to one of the clear clear identifiers is when you've reached a point where, okay, we have overwhelming agreement on this process. Now you may have reached a point where we can just summarize where we are and move on to the uh, next step.
0: And some might say, too, it's the good idea, fairy cutoff point.
1: That would probably be another way to phrase it. I agree with that, James.
0: Okay. Now, after the deliberate step, what comes next?
1: Yeah, so then craft a proposed solution and test for consensus. So, again, now we've brought all – we've gone through – Deliberation process. Now we're going to craft this solution. In other words, we're going to again bring together all of the ideas that have come into play that we all said we can live with, summarize those so that we're clear on it. When we talk about tests for consensus, though, that might be a question that's posed for put forth. For example, you may say, you know, um, now that we've brought these things together, what do you think about or how do you feel about this? Putting in a question form is testing for consensus as opposed to a statement that just says we should do this. That's different. It doesn't. It closes off the dialogue we spoke of earlier, or has a potential to close off that dialogue. So questioning brings about that test for consensus. Okay. So open
0: into questions, maybe some Socratic method. Yes. But and that's how we test. Okay. The, what's the last? The fifth and final.
1: So the fifth and final. Reach and implement the agreement. Sounds. Sounds obvious, but yeah, at the end you will just go ahead, reach, and implement the agreement. And again, this doesn't mean that once you've done that, that you can't go back and reevaluate. Or because we're talking about being adaptive and agile in terms of organizations, then that means that things are subject to change, and therefore we need to be flexible enough to do that change and uh, reevaluate where we were. Now, you had mentioned that. You're you're not likely to be
0: successful in building consensus where in cases the decision's already been made. What are some other situations
1: where maybe we, this isn't this isn't gonna work? Well, if we go back to finding out one, because another step we need to talk about is not a step, but understanding that there's beliefs that guide consensus. So, yeah, you know, although you're going through this cooperative search for solutions, there may be this time and place where a person just simply can't live with the decision. And that's just a statement of, that's just the way of the world, so to speak. The best thing you can do at that point is still go ahead, address their concerns by listening to them, seeing where you can meet them. If at that point they still can't live with the decision, there that's when you have to decide what is your next step as a leader. Sometimes it might be the thing that people try to place in a negative connotation but I don't believe it to be the case majority rules and I know that again we talked at the very beginning that people conflate the two consensus is majority rules but if you're going to have to complete a task and it's time sensitive on top of that that's when we talk about a good fit versus a bad fit for consensus so understanding when it's a a, a bad fit where the decision has to be made quickly all those things you might end up going into a majority rule scenario or Going to this other thing about ensuring that there's trust within the organization as the leader, it may not be a discussion at all. It might be this is what we must do at this time and just sharing that with the individuals as opposed to, again, giving a false sense of voting or going through a consensus process.
0: Now, I can see someone listening to this saying, well, I'm a leader and I've been taught that leaders are decisive and I see tension in this. I don't have time to sing Kumbaya. With a bunch of people, uh, when look, I just I've made the decision based on my experience and my knowledge, and, and we're going with it. What are your thoughts on that? And is there a tension with sure. being decisive sure. versus taking the time to build consensus?
1: Well, that thought process is actually a valid one because it is true. There is decisiveness that's expected from leaders, and that's when that leader should own that if that is where it is the best fit. In other words, if they have decided this is the direction that we must go at this time and clearly articulate because, remember, when we talk about this whole mission command and About leadership, there's also this thing about clear intent and establishing that. So, if your clear intent has been established and you're saying this is the direction we're going to go in, then that's not a good fit for consensus or even the majority rule. So, if that's where you're coming from, then it's best that you own that. But again, still remaining open and receptive to after that decision has been made to improve the organization. Because there's this part in, uh Mr. Kim Summers, who is the director of Army Management Staff College, in his opening ceremony always emphasizes this part of when we talk about leadership and influencing, the most significant part is and, and improve the organization. So if it's your intent as a leader to improve the organization, Beyond being decisive, also having the openness to also hear other ideas, point of views, perspectives to improve that organization uh, will benefit uh, the Army at large.
0: Okay. There are going to be situations, though, where we need to take that hill now. There's a certain urgency. Don't have time for consensus building. I need to be decisive. But there are other times, though, where an issue may be important, and there are a lot of stakeholders, yeah. and we're dealing with a, a ill-structured problem. Sure. And I I need to bring another other point of view other stakeholders into this and those will probably be times where building consensus is more conducive. Sure. What are some other
1: times where it's a good fit? Where when do we want to look at trying to leverage this? Sure. So as you know with faculty, and I'll just use us as an example, when we come together to talk about, okay, how can we improve our curriculum or give students the best, you know, benefit students, you know, the best in terms of their development. When we come together That's another scenario where it's a great fit. And the reason why is because with consensus, you come together It's an even playing field. Every voice, again, matters, regardless of status, whatever the case may be. Even if the directors are part of that discussion process, yes, they're the director. But if there weren't true buy-in from all parties, then all voices are being heard at that point. So that would make for a good fit. Interestingly enough, I've heard oftentimes that not with our students when we talk about Um, consensus or things of that nature there's always this thought process about life and death you know we talked about the beginning of it being a good fit when the stakes are high and people immediately go to life and death of well to support the warfighter you know you need to make sure that everybody's online with whatever the thought process is or the common goal but life or death is also just sometimes just life whether you work in finance Because that impacts people's lives. If they're not getting paid on time or whatever the case may be, it doesn't always have to be a wartime type situation. So understanding the significance of everything that we do at every level in our Army, uh, as Army civilian corps members and military, would probably give some drive towards that thought as well. And how should leaders treat
0: disagreement then? Or discourse when they're trying to hear every voice. You say every voice matters, now. Sure. And I got people who are disagreeing with me and poking holes yeah. in in my thought process.
1: How should a leader respond to that? Well, if you come from the perspective of disagreement being a positive force, that will help you engage in this differently. So, if the mindset is okay, as the phrase that you use, James, of well, they're poking holes in it. Well, there may be holes in it to be poked, and that may help you solidify your position differently. It's like, oh, I didn't think about it from that perspective, so now I can account for that because there may be a gap in what I'm trying to articulate or trying to accomplish. So disagreement, being a po- looking at it as a positive force, allows you to strengthen whatever it is you're trying to accomplish as a team because, remember, it's not about the individual when we're talking about consensus. It's about the betterment of the whole whether it's the organization or the small group or the team or just even co-facilitation. If it's about that, then disagreement should be viewed as a positive force.
0: Yeah, in reviewing ADRP-622, I was looking over consensus building again, and it's tied into at least two competencies, uh, one of them being extends influence beyond the chain of command. Yes. The other one is uh, under communicates, the competency communicates. Do you have any other
1: ideas on where? Sure. Uh, when we talk about extends influence beyond the chain of command, and and I, I too, uh, was subject to this thought process, we think about it ourselves of how can I extend influence beyond the chain of command. But when you start thinking about this whole team thought process, how better can you extend beyond the chain of command than not go it alone? If you include others into whatever it is that you think may be beneficial to the organization or beyond the chain of command and having others part of that process, that may allow you to extend influence even better. So I guess an example uh, would be, you know, you have an effort in terms of, again, just using our environment of, you know, this would perhaps be a great lesson or if we introduce this instrument to further talk about self-awareness would be great. But that's you as an individual. And you bring that up to the forefront to directors whom have, and they're like, well, the cost may be prohibitive and, you know, all these other things may be in play. But if you have a discussion and come to consensus with several faculty members and present that same discussion uh, or same um, goal, then you may be received differently. You may be able to extend beyond just the director because now other people have buy into it. That's just another way to consider it. Uh, to answer the part about communicates, you know, there's a thing at all levels, whether it's tactical, organizational, or strategic levels, where we know that communication is key, but then how do we communicate? And active listening is part of it, too. It's not just about talking. It's about, you know, also uh, actively listening to, again, all the parties, uh, regardless of what your initial thought process may be about what they're bringing to the table. And, And probably just even trying to, if you can, relieve yourself of even coming in with, well, I'm not sure they'll have any value because you've already made a prejudgment that may offset your ability to communicate because communication, as we know, is a two-way street, not just one. Do you see consensus as being tied to negotiating? Oh, yeah. When you're talking about this whole negotiation process, you're really still talking about the steps of meeting somewhere where they are first. And then building beyond that, so there's a tie into negotiation, consensus, as well as you know we talked about uh, team building combined. So there there's a tie into that. Some people believe that it may also be a part of accommodation, but it really isn't because accommodating means more so that you've let something go. Your buy-in isn't the same as it is with consensus. So all these terms can be conflated over time, but negotiation and consensus definitely have an alignment.
0: Any final thoughts on this topic?
1: Well, what I would like to share with listeners are the references that we talked about and summarized with those just so they can go out and uh, do some additional research for themselves. So uh, there's ADRP 6-22, which is Army Leadership, FM 6-22, Leader Development. And then finally, there's a reading that uh, we have for our uh, distant learning uh, students Consensus Through Conversation, How to Achieve High Commitment Decisions by Larry Dressler. That's D-R-E-S-S-L-E-R. So those are good sources that I would recommend. Does one have access to that reading if they're registered
0: for the distributed learning portion of the course?
1: They do. But you can also find a synopsis of it uh, online by just simply looking up that title uh, and the author, and you can see at least those first steps that we began to talk about for absolutely free. Well, thank you so much, Lieutenant Colonel Dyer. Yeah, thank you, James. James Cameron. <laughs>